Notice verse 25, the first word that appears is therefore, because Jesus, this is part of his Sermon on the Mount, has just said a certain thing which we're not going to go into, but on that basis, he's going to give the words that I'm about to read. Hear then the word of God, the words of Jesus. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to a span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? Or, What shall we drink? Or, What shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Consider the many demands on your lives day after day after day. Family, house, taking care of the yard, employment, our church, your club or clubs, your finances, your responsibilities as a citizen of the United States, uh, schoolwork, health, phone calls, and of course the dreaded emails that never seem to stop. And each day you have to consider which priorities these various things will take. What is a priority? A priority has to do with the order of rank or importance. So you start out the day saying, okay, I've got to do this, but then I also have to do this. So which one of these is a priority? I've got to do this one too. Let me bring this in here. Is that more important than that one? Yeah, I think it is. So I'll move that one up here. And I got this one over here. And I got this ball whoop, over here, this here. You have all these prior things going on. How in the world do you get them together? Well, you need to prioritize them. What is the absolute most important one? Not that the others aren't important, but this one, that, that's number one. And then you put in number two, number three, and so forth. Whether it's homework, whether it's housework, these are our responsibilities, and we have a sense of priorities as we organize our lives. Well, how do we deal with all these things? And I I think you'll find that Jesus' words here in verses 33 and 34 are very important, right? The last two verses of Matthew chapter 6. Let's begin with the, the focus of our priority of priorities. There's one priority that's way up here, and the other's way down here. And the first thing we have to understand is the focus of it. Jesus says at the beginning of verse 33, But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. That should be the focus of our top priority. Two things. First of all, the kingdom of God. One of the Bible's most dominant themes. You cannot read the Bible through without understanding this is about God's kingdom. 
what God the King is doing through the Lord Jesus Christ. Kingdom, then, has to do with rule, with authority, with will, namely of God, our Creator, and our Redeemer. It's a reference to sovereignty more than territory. It's a reference to dominion more than geography. You don't say, well, I think the, the kingdom's, uh, kingdom of God is over in the eastern part of the United States or, or the southern part of Korea or wherever it might be. No, uh, this is a broader idea of the rule of the Lord God himself. When you become a believer, you not only understand Jesus as your Savior, but also as your king. You have a new ruler in your heart, and that ruler is not yourself. He has to be prioritized as number one. Now, this is also true in other spheres, which I'm not going to get into. The sphere of education, government, commerce, industry, science. God has his fingerprints on all that's in our world. He created everything. All is under his rule. Even those who are unbelievers are nevertheless under his rule. Dr. Gerhardus Voss said that this kingdom exists where God supernaturally carries through his supremacy against all opposing powers and brings men to the willing recognition of the same. It is a state of things in which everything converges and tends toward God as the highest good. So the kingdom of God is manifested everywhere we see anything happening on our earth, and especially in his church, the church of God, the church of Jesus Christ. He is our ruler. He is the king. He is the one to whom we are subject. Now, the idea of a kingdom is hard for us to grasp here in the United States because of our particular form of government. You call it a democracy. Some call it a republic or a democratic republic. But it's a little different. We don't like the idea of anybody over us. And that's why the colonists reacted against King George over in England because they didn't like the way he was ruling them. We don't want a guy like that. We want to be our own kings, as it were. We want to govern ourselves. And so in Lincoln's famous Edgettyburg address, he ended it with what? Government of the people, by the people, for the people. That's a little misleading, at least from the scriptural perspective. Because God's kingdom is over all. The second aspect of our, fo- of our focus is his righteousness, his holiness, his purity. This is a righteousness, first of all, we receive when we become converted. It's a legal thing in which God credits the righteousness of Christ to us. And we're covered by his righteousness. We're identified with his righteousness. A wonderful truth of the gospel that simply by faith alone we are justified in the sight of God and declared not guilty. There's another aspect of righteousness, the ethical aspect of it. This was considered this morning in the adult Sunday school class. What we call sanctification, how we are to submit ourselves to the Lord God and to follow Him. That was one reason why I read had for our confession of faith this morning, our focus on the first commandment, how important that first commandment is. Now, something like righteousness may seem to be rather vague, uh, invisible, and and, uh, intangible, but as God's people live their lives out before the world, they begin to demonstrate some of that righteousness. Not perfectly, but it's there. People see there's something different about these people. What is it? Now, Jesus Christ, of course, is the great example of setting forth the kingdom of God. What is his desire? The The will of his Father. 
I came to do the will of my Father. He didn't let anything keep him from that so that he might live a perfectly righteous life and then we, by faith, receive his righteousness by faith credited to us in the sight of the Holy God. So this supreme focus of our life moves us away then from our daily priorities to a very higher priority centered in heaven itself. Okay, you say, well, that's, that's obvious. I think I can understand that. And I believe in God. I believe it exists. and I, He's a great being, and I'm submissive to him. But uh, so I'll, I'll be sure to fit him in somewhere. Don't worry, I'm not going to push God out of my life. He'll fit in somewhere in my life, but, you know, I'm very busy. I got lots of things to do. I had lots of responsibilities, and sometimes I just have to say, God, if you just kind of wait over here for a moment while I take care of my business, and then when I need to, I'll, I'll just kind of call you back in and you can give me a help. It's not the way it's supposed to work. The priority of priorities is God himself, his kingdom, his righteousness. Now, in our text, there's also a demand, a command. We talked about the king having a sovereign right to rule and exercise his will. So what is that demand? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That's a command. That's an order from the king of heaven. Seek first that kingdom of God and the kingdom of righteousness of which we just discussed. The top priority when you rise in the morning until you retire at night and all the hours in the between is what? To seek first the highest priority of priorities, the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Jesus is not setting that kingdom over against the things of the world. Because even as our introduction revealed, our, the passage of Scripture, the introductory verses here in chapter 6, there are many necessities in which we have to handle. I doubt very much whether eating is a very low priority in your life. It's probably way up there. And the other things as well, the necessities of life. Certainly these are important. So he's not setting his king over against those kinds of things, but above them. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. The word seek is an interesting one. It means to be constantly seeking, absorbed in a search, but with a strenuous effort to obtain. It's a different Greek word than the words used up in verse 32. The Gentiles seek after all these things. It's a different word use of the Gentile or the non-Jews, in other words, the unbelievers back in the first century, between Jews and Gentiles, that's an anxious searching, a worrisome kind of thing. You lost something. How many times have I lost something around the house and I start on this horrible search and I just am not satisfied till I find the item? Perhaps you've gone through that as well. That's this kind of seeking of the unbeliever. It's an anxious kind of seeking. But this verb here in verse 33 is the idea of beating the covers for birds, as a hunter does. Going out after the birds, and he has to do some climbing, some wading, some wiggling, some watching, some perseverance in his effort in order to get that. 
So he's, he's focused on that. He understands that's how he has to seek out the quarry in that way. Seek the Lord God and his kingdom in that way. Not anxiously, but in a very organized, specific, focused way. Hebrews 11.6, without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he that comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. In a certain sense, then, the the believer is a person with a one-track mind. Kingdom of righteousness. God's kingdom. His righteousness. God's kingdom. His righteousness. That has to be uppermost in our life. Someone has said that to immerse ourselves in details without constant reference to the ideal is to break up our lives, our characters, our institutions into incoherent fragments devoid of all unity. The details are not indeed unimportant, but they are important only in relation to the ideal, which gives it to them all their beauty, all their excellence. If we're going to have beauty and excellence over all the things we have to do, our various things during each day, our priorities that we put in certain order, if they have any meaning at all, they have to be under the auspices, the oversight, the big umbrella, as it were, of the kingdom of God, looking at it through those lens. Now, I say, wow, this is a pretty big thing. And I still face the fact that I, I've got all these things, these responsibilities I have, I, these balls I'm juggling every day. Um, it's almost like it's not worth it. Ah, there's a bonus for having a priority of priorities, the kingdom of God himself. What's that bonus? But seek first the kingdom of God, his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. There's a reward for placing that priority the highest of all priorities. That all these things... All what things? We'll go back up here to verse 32. For the Gentiles seek after all these things. What's it referring to? What are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? What are we going to wear? The things of daily life. And what is being said here by Jesus is, if you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these things will be taken care of. You won't have to worry about them at all. The word translated here in verse 33, added, is a business term back in the first century, the Greek meaning of that. Uh, it was the custom of a seller to add an extra quantity to ensure a good weight or please his customer. Perhaps you go to a bakery and you visit the baker for the first time. I like to have a dozen donuts. It's not a good idea to eat that many donuts, but <laughs> he ordered a dozen donuts, and so he's putting them in one, two times, 11, 12. Here's another one. Just kind of a nice little touch. And so you leave that bakery thinking to yourself, wow, I like that, this bakery. That's nice of him to have done that, to have just added that little extra. So that's the meaning of, of, of the word here, the idea of added. Uh, God throws in for nothing, as it were, the extra benefits of his, pre- his, his presence, his blessing, his comfort, all of those things 
and the various matters of daily life, they'll be taken care of as well. Charles Spurgeon called them the supplements of the divine heritage. They're like vitamins. God gives us the extra vitamins we need to get through the day. Remember Solomon in his great prayer in 1 Kings chapter 3. God says, Solomon, you can ask for whatever you want as you become king. And Solomon could have sat back and think, well, let's see, now I'm now king. Boy, I've got a lot of things I have to do. I'm going to need my, I have to take care of my army, my servants, my clothes, my jewelry, etc. But what did he ask for? Lord, give me your wisdom. Give me wisdom. That's my top priority, to have your wisdom to direct this nation, this people. Solomon had the right perspective. We think of um, the birds of the air up there in verse 26. Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow, they don't reap, they don't gather to barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Many of you are familiar. This poem's been around for a long time. Said the robin to the sparrow, I should really like to know why these anxious human beings rush around and hurry and worry so. Said the sparrow to the robin, I think surely it must be they have no heavenly father such as cares for you and me. Of course, Jesus' point in verse 26 is, if God takes care of the birds, will he not take care of his people? those for whom Christ has given his life, that we might have eternal life through him. If you go back up earlier in the sixth chapter, verses 9 through 13, you will find uh, the Lord's Prayer. And I point out to you that the prayer request, your kingdom come, appears before, give us this day our daily bread. That's prioritized correctly. First, we think of God's kingdom. That's the most important. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Top priority. And then, Lord, give us this day our daily bread. So here's how it works. Top priority, kingdom, his righteousness. Okay? Confidence in Him, less aware of the things around us, yet our energies are now redirected toward more significant matters as we deal with these daily things. The development of our own abilities, widening opportunities, extending our godly influence, we begin to think more of those terms and not just the nuts and bolts of the normal daily things. You ever notice a very small child? Uh, Two or three, four, five, maybe older. And during the day, they go about and they've got their they they got their toys they play with. They'll go over here and read a book they're interested in. They'll go outside and play. They're not worrying at all about where their next meal is coming from. They're not worrying about how to make the next insurance payment. They're not worried about balancing their book. Why? Because they know that their parents are taking care of them. Our great parent, our Heavenly Father, takes care of those of us who are His people. As we deal with the things of daily life, we must not forget that. 
Martin Lloyd-Jones has written that it's not an accident that the Puritans of the 17th century became wealthy people. It was not because they hoarded wealth. It was not because they worshipped money. It was just that they were living for God and His righteousness, and the result was that they did not throw away their money on worthless things. In a sense, therefore, they could not help but become wealthy. They held on to the promises of God, and incidentally, they became rich. Now, one more thing. We would expect this part of the Sermon on the Mount to end with verse 33. The great priority of priorities. Why the seemingly anticlimactic verse 34? It's an important point because Jesus again uses that word, therefore. Therefore, because of what I just said in the preceding verses. It has to do with a threat to our efforts to prioritize properly and have a top priority. And what is that threat? Tomorrow. Tomorrow. Tomorrow, Monday, March 2nd. There's the threat. Why is that a threat? Because it saps the energies as we think about it and worry about it. It saps those energies from what we need to do today. But if we focus on today... We can handle our concerns and problems because they are here right now, not going to happen or maybe even not going to happen tomorrow. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. It almost seems that Jesus is making a whimsical comment here in these words. Now, providing for tomorrow is one thing. There's nothing wrong with making proper provisions for the future. There's nothing wrong with thinking about tomorrow and what you're going to do tomorrow and prioritize that. But you need to concentrate on today. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning. You take care of the morning. It's right now. To worry about things about tomorrow puts us on the wrong foot of our focus of life. We must not let tomorrow tear us apart today. There's enough to do today. So that's Jesus' problem, uh, statement. He said, watch out for tomorrow. Don't get anxious about that. What troubles are God, is God going to bring into my life tomorrow? What troubles is going to ha- are going to happen to me this coming week? You're not prioritizing properly. Keeping your life God, His kingdom, His righteousness. Focus on that and relate that then to today's problems, today's needs. God will be the same Heavenly Father tomorrow as He is today. In our life, even in our death, all will be well. The Lord will get us through today. He'll get you through today. He who said, I will never leave you, I will never forsake you. This is why being a Christian is such a wonderful thing, to know that we are loved by God and that we have peace with Him through Christ. By faith alone, putting our trust in Him, taking our anxieties, our worries, and say, Lord, you take care of this. 
give me wisdom to understand what I need to do here. But I'm just going to put that in your hands, and you take care of it today. And when I get to tomorrow, well, that'll be today again. I'll just take it one day at a time. And so as we trust in Christ, not only for as Lord is, is uh, being our Savior, but also being our Lord, being our King, being our great parent, our loving Heavenly Father who cares for those who have put their trust in His Son. This is an anonymous quotation, but I close with it. The one supreme business of living is to get that decisive emphasis on the thing that is first. The supreme tragedy of life comes to the man or woman or young person or child who gets the major emphasis on something else than the first thing. All life is then out of proportion. All experience a tangle and all tasks in confusion. There are strong lives that stagger and sink because they've missed the course. There are men of genius who go out in despair because they have put the major emphasis on the wrong thing. Where's your focus this morning? How are you prioritizing your life? The priority of priorities. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Let's pray. Our Lord in heaven, we need help with this matter. It's difficult for us to put things in the proper order. How often our lives seem disorganized. And we fumble and around and we worry and we're anxious. Lord, we need the peace that only you can give. And so help us to always have you in our hearts and our minds as we go through each day, that we might seek to please you and honor you in our lives. We have to continue to remember that we do not please you and we need your forgiveness, but we have that in Jesus Christ, received by faith alone. How we thank you for his work on our behalf and pray that as we once again remember his death for us, that you would minister to our hearts. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.